Well, good morning, everyone. I want to take you back to the year 2007. Yes, it was 13 years ago. I was 16 and about to leave school that summer. I wonder what you were doing in the year 2007. In 2007, Steve Jobs of Apple unleashed the iPhone into the world. The social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter, hit the mainstream and went global. And many more digital advances were made. And over the last decade, it increased and increased. And these days, we literally have affinity in our pockets. Some of the advances in technology have been absolutely life-changing. I mean, how vital has the role of technology been during this pandemic? We are, in, we are able to engage and connect with each other virtually. We have been able to watch church services on YouTube and Facebook. And for anyone under the age of 20, it's all you've ever known. But if you're a little bit north of that number, then you will remember a time when you weren't able to work from home, when you were stood in the line at the supermarket and you had to make conversation with other people, and you actually had to watch the adverts on TV. But now, we can't imagine living without something that didn't exist over a decade ago. Often, we speak about the pros of our technological advancements, but we never really speak about the cons. The fact that scientists have found that over the last decade, the average attention span has dropped to around eight seconds. Just eight seconds. And one of the biggest causes of this is the advancements of the mobile phone. App stores and play stores are filled with apps that are designed to rob us of our attention. Some people actually suffer from a fear called nomophobia, the fear of being without a mobile device and being beyond mobile phone contact. It's a real thing. Studies have shown that stress levels induced by the average case of nomophobia to be on par with those of the wedding day jitters, or as going to the dentist. So, why does this matter? It matters because this distraction and addiction is robbing us of our ability to be present with each other, to ourselves, and to God. And so we become distant from a God that who created us. So the question is, is there a practice from the life of Jesus that we could set up and thrive in the chaos of our modern society? And it's here that we find silence and solitude. Let's read Matthew 4, 1 to 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. This passage comes right after Jesus' baptism, and the very first thing that happens is Jesus is led by the Spirit 
into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The very first thing is he goes to the wilderness. Now, for the word for wilderness in the original Greek is aromos. The word aromos can be translated as wilderness, desert, the deserted place, the desolate place, the solitary place, the quiet place, and the lonely place. We find time and time again that Jesus spends time in the aromos. The gospel is scattered with references to the aromos, and this is one of the earliest mentions in Jesus' life and ministry. From this passage, I believe there is a crucial element that is important when thinking about the aromos. I'll read verse 1 again. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I remember the first time I read this. And to be honest, it just confused me. It wasn't that Jesus was tempted by the devil. I kind of understood that part. But it was the fact that the Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness in prayer and fasting. And then after 40 days to a head-on clash with the devil. For far too long, I read the passage this way. That the devil came to Jesus in his weakness. I mean, isn't that just like the devil? To attack when Jesus is at his weakest. After 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. When we're alone. When we have had a hard week. When we are feeling down. But it still didn't make sense to me. Why would the Spirit lead Jesus into this place. But I was missing the point. The point I was missing was that the Aromos isn't a place of weakness. It's actually a place of strength. The Spirit led Jesus into the Aromos because after 40 days of silence and solitude, Jesus was at the peak of his spiritual powers. And that is why time and time again we see Jesus going back to the Aromos. Let's jump over to Mark 1, verses 35 to 38. Now this is essentially the end of Jesus' first day on the job. It says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Here we see that Jesus has just come from 40 days in the Aromos, works for one day, and then goes back to the Aromos. The important thing that I want us to see here is that the aromos isn't a one-time thing. It was woven into the everyday life of Jesus. Let's turn to Mark 6, 30 to 33. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat. 
he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place or to the aromas and get some rest. Have you ever been so busy that you've forgotten to eat, let alone give yourself over to God? Notice what Jesus says here. Jesus didn't say what you really need is more Netflix or a distraction or an escape or another glass of wine. What you really need is time with me in a quiet place. Let's move on to verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place or to the aromas. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran over on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Can you imagine that feeling? You just want to be alone and then suddenly everyone is there. I love the realism of this story. What they need is more time in the aromas. But then due to forces out of their control, they end up doing something else. Has that ever happened to you? I'm sure pretty much all of us have felt this at some stage. You set aside time to pray and spend time with God, but then the kids are fighting. You get an important phone call. The dog is barking. You've just remembered something important. Someone rings the doorbell. You never actually get to do it. You never get that time. And that's how life is. Jump down to verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. After leading them, he got up onto a mountainside to pray. Then it goes on to talk about another story later that evening. Now, at first glance, it just seems just like Jesus, typical Jesus, that he wants to climb a mountain and pray. But when you read the story in context, I wonder if there is something else going on here. I wonder if Jesus felt that his schedule was just so busy, so packed that the reality of people that are hungry and thirsty from a touch of God. I wonder if he got to the point where he literally had to say, guys, go ahead of me, go away. In the verse, it said Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. Now, all of you parents out there, I'm sure you would never do that with your children. Send them away so you can get some peace and quiet. What if praying on top of the mountain in the middle of the night was the only time when Jesus could be alone with himself and with God? He knows he needs that time, even more than he needs to sleep. And we know in the Gospels that Jesus loved his sleep. But he needed that time with himself and God even more. In Luke alone, there are around nine stories of when Jesus goes to the Aromas. We're going to look at Luke 5, 1, 15 to 16. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him, to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
He often withdrew. He frequently withdrew. He regularly withdrew. Jesus withdrawing to the Aromos was a regular thing for him to do in his life. In the Gospel of Luke, you can chart Jesus' life on two axes. The more busy, the more popular, the more in demand Jesus became, the more he withdrew to the lonely place to pray. Now, if you're anything like me, the busier I am in life, the more demand I am in in life, the more tired and drained I am in my life, the first thing that normally goes is the practice of silence and solitude and spending time with God in the aromas. But this is the time when we need more of it and not less. That is the example Jesus sets throughout the Gospels. The point is, the aromos of the lonely place was a regular part of Jesus' life rhythm. Well, what is silence and solitude? It can be defined as this. Intentional time in the quiet to be alone with ourselves and God. Intentional time in the quiet to be alone with ourselves and God. To break that down even further, external silence is when you go somewhere with no noise or as little noise as possible. No music in your headphones, no radio or TV on in the background, no screaming children, perhaps out in nature or in the silence of a room. Have you ever had that experience where you are just quiet? When everything around you is just quiet. And for that brief moment, you just feel peace. There is something in just not talking for a while. As a general rule, the more we talk, the more we sin. Do you agree with that? I love Proverbs 10.19 in the New Living Translation. It says this, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. We way overvalue talking in the modern world and we way undervalue silence. I think that is because no matter how peaceful and life-giving it is, it's really hard and can often feel awkward. What does it say about us that we constantly need some noise on in the background when we're completing menial tasks? I always do it. No matter what I do in almost every situation, whether it's doing the washing up, doing the laundry, even writing a sermon, delivering mail, driving in the car, I have something on in the background, whether it's Netflix, YouTube, music, podcasts, and so on. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who does this. It's almost as if we're running from something. To cancel out all the external noise, all you have to do is put on noise-cancelling headphones or go for a walk in nature. But then there's an internal noise, the mental clutter, the mind that won't slow down, going 100 miles an hour, all the distractions. So it's not just the external noise. 
It's the internal noise as well. And often that can be harder to quieten down. But silence comes when we quieten both. And then solitude. Silence in itself is sort of a spiritual discipline. And often these two get lumped together. And the reason is probably because without silence, there isn't really solitude. Now, solitude isn't the same thing as loneliness or isolation. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, writes, Loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. In silence and solitude, we push back all the noise, the distractions, the busyness, and the non-stop stimulation of our modern society. In silence and solitude, we reconnect with our emotions that we have been running from. In silence and solitude, we come face to face with the ugliness and selfishness within our own hearts. We face our hunger, our desire, and our thirst for God. And we also face our lack of desire for God as well. In solitude, we are more likely to be able to hear the voice of God cut through all the other voices and noises that cloud our minds and keep us from hearing God's voice clearly in the hustle and bustle of our daily lives. In silence and solitude, we find that our successes and failures that define us and the constant need for approval from others start to diminish. In silence and solitude, we come home to ourselves and also to God. So some signs that you may not be spending enough time in this practice are, if you feel like there is a space between you and God on an emotional or spiritual level, you are living off someone else's spirituality through sermons, podcasts, books, and so on. You feel distant from yourself. You are not self-aware and lose sight of who you are in God and your calling. You get stuck into the urgent and not the important. You feel like you are running around, ticking off all these activities off your to-do list and never actually getting down to what really matters. Do any of you feel like that, or is it just me? We get stuck into escapism and not engagement because we run out of energy to do what is actually life-giving, things like prayer and community, and we turn to things like Netflix or TV or the internet or social media or food or alcohol and so on because we are too tired to do what is actually life-giving. These are all symptoms of a life without silence and solitude. And we need to recapture this practice as a church and also as individuals. Out of all the spiritual disciplines, silence and solitude will be up near the top of the list. The truth of the matter is this. Unless we purposely and physically set time aside for silence and solitude, it just won't happen. Being a Christian is all about relationship with God, relationship with our Father. And how do you build a relationship 
It's by spending time together. Being purposeful with that time that you spend together. What happens to friendships you don't put time into? They slowly grow apart. They start to break down. And it's the same with God. We have to spend time alone with God in order to grow that relationship. Mother Teresa said, when asked for spiritual direction, spend one hour each day in adoration of the Lord and never do anything you know is wrong. Follow this and you'll be fine. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Spend one hour alone with God each day and don't do anything you know is wrong. It's that simple. And to be honest, I couldn't agree with her more. But in reality, it's not simple at all. But I believe we need to recapture this practice. Dov Seedman says in the book, Thank You for Being Late. When you press the pause button on a computer, it stops. But when you press the pause button on a human being, it starts. It starts to reflect, to rethink, to reimagine. The Aromos is a place where Jesus found life with God, where thousands of others have found life with God. And the Aromos is a place where you can find life with God as well. Let's pray. And God, we thank you that we can come to the quiet place and meet you there. I thank you there is a place we can go where all life's distractions fade away and we can be vulnerable with you. I pray that you will help us find the value of that in our modern society. God, in this lockdown, we pray that we can really find and meet with you. We pray for those that are lonely and struggling in this time, and we pray they will find company with you, God. Give us the desire in the days and weeks ahead to come to the Aromas and to truly meet with you. In Jesus' name, amen.